Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. I am Joe LaPuma. I'm here with my guys to my right, Matt Welty. Hey, how's it going? And Brendan Dunn. Welty, your pores look incredible. The mud mask you posted on Instagram is working. Thanks. Okay. That's don't you think? Yeah, that's good that you're giving it. You're, you're giving him. I support it. Yeah. Self care Sundays. I right. support yeah, it, man. Self care Sundays. Also, it's what was that? You, you put steak in a pepper. Was that what it was? It's chili relleno. <laughs> God, this guy's different. <laughs> different. Different preparation for this week. Oh my God! Yeah, cheese, mushrooms, garlic, it looked good. steak. It looked, and a, it looked really pepper. good. It looked really good. But um, and, and you said I have your permission to meme that the photo of you with the mask on. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you prepared yesterday because we have a big week and we um you know we have a big episode today russ bankston has been writing about basketball and sneakers for over three decades served as the eic of slam magazine helped produce the first issues of kicks magazine and then later in his career spent seven years at complex being a guiding voice of the sneakers vertical he is widely considered the best writer on the subjects of sneakers and has a new book titled the history of basketball and 15 sneakers on the way Welcome, Russ. On the, the way podcast. is a good way to put it. Is it? But yeah, 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 yeah. We're I mean, not too early. We're not too early mentioning it, though. Right? No, 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 not at all. Awesome. Not at all. In fact, the more it gets mentioned, like it's probably better. Okay. The pressure's on. The pressure is when, on. When's the release date for the? We don't have a release date yet. We have like a due date, and that's going to be entertaining in and of itself. I'm going to like start sweating just talking about it. Yeah. But like middle of May. Well, there's no one better to, to write a, a sneaker book than you. And appreciate it. Happy to have you back in the office. We've worked together, yeah, for like seven Forever. years and. It's always great reconnecting with you, and I think for you know what we're going to spend the time on for the first half of the podcast, there's no one really better to talk to. And you were in Australia for two weeks, and yeah. the unfortunate news of Kobe Bryant and the other people who lost their lives in the crash that happened around two weeks ago. We didn't want to touch on it until we had the right person to really talk about it. I know that you in like 1996 was the first time you met Kobe Bryant and then yeah. interviewed him a bunch of times throughout the years and just kind of your career's progressing. What stuck out to you through your interactions with him? Man, it was a lot. And like, you know, to rewind a second, like, you know, finding out about it super early in the morning, like first thing when I woke up mm -hmm. And like, just kind of staring at my phone for a while, being like, wait, no, I got to read this like a bunch of times. Um, and just obviously any death like that yeah. is going to catch you by surprise. But this was something that like Kobe's like second act following his playing career has been so vibrant and so like full 
you know, it, it makes it almost more unbelievable where it's like, if it's someone who's already out of the public eye, you're just like, oh my God. Um, but, you know, the first time I met him was in 1996 in Pittsburgh at the McDonald's All-America game. Right. And everyone kind of already knew who he was. Like he was already starting to get attention. Obviously he's the son of a former player. Um, he already had some of those Jordan-esque mannerisms, you know, even as a high schooler. And, you know, the thing I remember most about meeting him there was that he was 17, I was 25. And I told him there, I'm like, dude, or I told people afterwards, like, he seemed more adult than I did. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like he was more together and more like... Locked in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just he was already a professional. Like he, he hadn't declared yet, but the way he dealt with the media, the way he dealt with his teammates, the way he dealt with, you know, other people who interacted with him, like he was just a pro. You know, I never saw him when he wasn't like that. You know, I don't know how young he was before he sort of right became a man, came became into a, that. Yeah. You know, it's like we can go back to his announcement with the sunglasses on his head mm-hmm. and like people make fun, made fun of him for that. But outside of that, like... Making that announcement, like, as the first guard to go pro out of high school, you know, like, he was so ready for it. So how did, ready. How did you become friends with Kobe? Because, Russ, you've been covering sneakers, like like Joe said, covering basketball for so long that, that I could tell there was some sort of familiarity between if you step into a room with Kobe, which you have done a bunch of times, to announce a new shoe or to, to cover a new release. And Kobe knows who Russ Bankson is. How did that happen? I mean, everyone knows who Russ Bankson is. but <laughs> Okay, I don't know about but that. Fair. But... That's what made this all so much worse because Kobe was a guy I felt like, you know, we kind of came into the game at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, 96 McDonald's game, I had just started doing basketball with Slam around then. So our careers kind of paralleled each other to a degree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to All-Star every year, go to the finals every year Mm -hmm. when he was going to All-Star every year and being in the finals every year. And somehow we would always manage to carve out time, whether it was official or not, like, there were two kicks covers after the initial Garnett one that were Kobe back to back. Wow! And I kicks did, for people who don't know is the the sneaker dedicated offshoot of Slam, Slam right? Right. There was an annual, right. and still is an annual. Um, and I believe Kobe was the cover in two thousand and two thousand one. Mm-hmm. And we had long conversations for both of those covers in Teaneck, New Jersey, where ABCD Camp was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember like. Even in one of those conversations, the first year, it was like basically just me and him in a hotel room talking. Mm-hmm. And the second year, he had security. He had like an armed security guard, wow. who I think he had with him for the rest of his career after that. And I remember him telling me even during that thing, like, you know, this isn't me. Like, you know me. Like, this isn't, but this is the reality of it now. Um, and we would just catch up, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. Like, And it's funny because I would literally catch up with him more than I catch up with actual friends from home or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Interesting. and, uh, there's just, I don't know. There's so many times that stand out, you know, it's like, I remember going to DC for all-star in 2001 and, uh, the whole media would kind of travel around as a pack to each player. Mm-hmm. So Kobe was kind of alone in his locker and I went over to him and just, we just started talking about whatever they were going to play. They were going to play the nets the first game after the break. So it was like talking about Marbury, talking about whatever. And like no one's in the locker next to him. So I just sat down. So we're just sitting there talking. And as we're talking, the room kind of gets quiet. 
And I look up and the enti that entire media mass had come over to get Kobe. And we're just talking and I'm like, I'll catch up with you later. No, yeah. let, let me let yeah. you do this. You know, so, so things like that would happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was also during the time when he eventually went to Nike and they would do events every year. Mm -hmm. So I would see him in LA. I saw him at Lower Marion when they dedicated the gym when he switched to number 24. Um, I saw him in New York for a couple of things. The one I posted on Instagram was actually like a, a body armor MMA thing that he was coming to just because he was a body armor guy. Right. Um, after Colorado happened in 2003 and the rape allegations and the story came out and it, I mean, it still looks terrible. You mm -hmm. know, I think a, a lot of the better stories that came out after this, like did not shy away from it. And like, you know, unfortunately it's something that everyone's going to have to grapple with, with his mm -hmm. career forever. Mm -hmm. um, I just remember feeling like wild, uncomfortable about it. And just like, I don't know how to feel about this guy right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we'd interacted for years, but do I, did I have any idea who he is? Right. You know, I, maybe not. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Lakers would only come to New York twice a year for Jersey and New York that year. I think I didn't see him at all. So I didn't see him for over a year mm -hmm. and I went to Indiana and, uh, Whenever I would go to games, I would get there as early as they would let people into the gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, I walk into the field house, and there's no one else there. And Kobe's on the court shooting. And as I came out of the tunnel on the opposite side of the court, he spots me, like yells out my name to say hi, and comes over. And, you know, it was just like, but I'm just like one of right. a zillion people this guy interacts with mm -hmm. every day. And it's like, I haven't seen you in over a year and you still remember who I am and like still are. And like, that doesn't take away from anything that happened. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like. You felt like uh, you knew him. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was uh, a connection. A yeah. You guys yeah. had like rapport and at least a connection a there for sure. There's also the legendary photo of you with the snake around <laughs> yeah. your neck from the, from the Kobe photo shoot. Slam yeah. the mom. Yeah. It was yeah. like the Mamba issue, right? Yeah, it was like after the, it was after the Black Mamba name came out, and the idea I forget who at Slam came up with the idea, but like to get Kobe with a snake around his neck, and uh, we obviously had like a reptile wrangler show up. I was writing the story. Like Steve Irwin shows up. Like, basically, basically oh, okay. with snakes in like a cooler. You know, you're keeping them like chill so they're not like hyperactive. And the photo of me, I think, is like two. I forget where they're boa constrictors. I think they're mm -hmm. boa constrictors. And we ended up, the snake we ended up using was like a king snake because you wanted to use something black mm -hmm. to be a black mamba. And I think the funny thing is the black mamba isn't even black. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure the black mamba's name is because like inside its mouth is black. I'm mm, kind of like Rhode don't Island. Don't quote me on that because I'm not Steve Irwin. <laughs> what? Oh, not being an island. Or a road, but go on. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I got to do the, the snake test Polaroid. And then you said that you saw him in December? Did no, I, I, I didn't. So, you know, obviously as part of the book, like, mm. you know, the idea is kind of going through the history of basketball, starting with the Chuck Taylor, ending with the Adapt BB, and Got just it. kind of tracing the evolution of both. Okay. And, you know, from the beginning, I knew I wanted to use one of Kobe's shoes as that touch point, and ideally the four, because mm -hmm. I feel like the four was the one, I, I was kind of torn, like four, five, mm -hmm. but... I think the four was the one that really got the ball rolling on that low top vibe and right. the relationship with him and Avar and everything right. else. Mm -hmm. 
So an interesting shoot too, because I think yeah. around the time of the Kobe three, like Eric Avar was diagnosed with cancer, which he eventually bounced back from. So I think the three Avar was like less involved. And the th three the was like models. a wildly different, yeah. you know, the polarizing shoe. The first shoe. couple of shoes I remember like just being strange. Everyone was really hyped on the Zoom Kobe one. I remember on Nike Talk, everyone's like, this is my favorite basketball shoe. The two had a lot of problems because they made like three versions yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a strap that like kept on becoming unbuttoned. The three right, was that right. ugly like zigzag. The weird like basket. Like, yeah, yeah, But yeah. also when they launched the four, that's when they came out with the MVP puppet uh, characters mm -hmm. where like I remember there was was that big Foot Locker commercial where the shoes like lit on fire in the back. I remember working there at the time and everyone came in because they saw that commercial that like there was a real hype around Kobe Bryant sneakers at that time. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, and you know, obviously he wore it to win his fourth title. Yeah. So it's like that kind of helped create the myth of it too. But it's funny, like I was going to go back to a lot of my archival stuff because yeah, I've talked to Kobe mm -hmm. a bunch and like obviously he's spoken at all these sneaker launches, but I figured like, you know, try and get him. My friend Svi who used to be at Slam and at Stance is now at the Mamba Academy. Okay. And I had forgotten another friend, Molly Carter, who used to be PR at Converse, is like basically the head of Kobe's like business side of things. Mm -hmm. So I hit up Molly to see if I could get Kobe and things came together pretty quickly and they're like, well, you know, we have time on the 23rd, on December 23rd. Wow. 2019. Two days before Christmas too, yeah. you know. Like, well, you know, we can give you 10 to 15 minutes. And I ended up getting 20. Okay. And that's kind of the thing where it's like, especially if it's someone I know, hmm. I don't care what the time constraint is. Because once I get them on the phone, then it's like, they're going to talk as long as they want to. No For one's sure. going to tell Kobe, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time's up. Yeah. And man, like, it's just so hard to listen back to it now. I bet. And it's one of those things where it's like, neither way is good. You know, it's like, had I not spoken to him? And he passed away. Mm -hmm. I would have had so many regrets on not having spoken to him. Mm -hmm. But having spoken to him so recently, like, made it even harder to deal with. You know, it's like literally the first thing I said to him on the phone was congratulations on the Hall of Fame nomination. Mm -hmm. And, like, obviously the induction is going to happen. You know, it's like, so I got to tell him that. And at the end I did, you know, say, like, I really got to try and get there. You'll be there, yeah. Because, like, for him and KG, who's another guy I've had a long history with, you know, this was going to be one of those inductions, you know, and now everyone probably for a while, forever, is going to be guys I grew up either covering mm -hmm. or watching, mm -hmm. um, you know, Iverson being obviously one of the first. But what made it even worse, and I mean, the Gianna news made it worse on its own. Absolutely. But one of the things we talked about during that conversation was that clip of him talking to Gianna at the Nets game. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, because one of the things I wanted to talk to him about was like how he watches the game now and how that's changed from when he was active. So I wanted to know what he was talking to her about. So to hear him talk about that and to hear him talk about her and a month later for them both to be gone, you know, it's like unbelievable. The way Gianna was playing and the way they were interacting, you know, it's like it would have been hard if it was just Kobe. But at least you would have been able to say, like, well, she's going to be the one to carry on the torch. Mm -hmm. And to lose both, like, it's real. I mean, it's, it's literally awful. unthinkable. Yeah. What do you think uh, Kobe's kind of, I know you mentioned the four briefly, but what do you think Kobe's lasting, like, sneaker legacy is? That's hard. You know, it's like, 
I mean, I think bringing, you know, overall, it's probably bringing the low top back into basketball in a major way. Mm. And just with the Kobe four. Yeah. And yeah. not that he had, was the first guy to wear a low top, but I feel like that was one of the first low tops engineered from the ground up instead of just being a high top that got cut down, mm-hmm. you know, and just, just sort of pushing things forward. And I think like the relationship between him and Avar um, is a big thing too, where it's like, you know, while obviously Jordan and Tinker is like the, the pinnacle of that. But I think a lot of that was more style based. And with Kobe, it was more, how do I get this so I can play better? Yeah. I, I, it's so interesting because, you know, we all cover this stuff, but people have always said that um, Kobe and, and Nike designer Eric Avar, who you mentioned, were, were closer than any other athlete designer combination. You know, every every press release from a brand talks about how closely this new athlete worked with their designer, but with Kobe, you really believed it, and people on the inside really told you. There was, you know, like, stories that they went, like, scuba diving together and stuff, like, yeah, on vacation. Yeah. Like, Russ, really early on, did you have a sense that Kobe cared about sneakers, like, 97, 96, when you were first meeting him? It's hard to say with some of the Adidas stuff. You know, I think, especially back then in the late 90s, there was that weird disconnect with Adidas where, like, so much of the direction was coming out of Germany. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that ended up getting produced, like the much maligned Kobe 2, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back at that, it's like, well, sneakers are designed for cars. Let's have a car designer do a sneaker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They actually brought in a guy from Audi. Right, right. And he did the the first, the Kobe, which the Sunshine one, to me, is still one of the best Kobe's ever. I love that shoe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was another shoe we won a title in. But also, it's interesting to me with Kobe himself. And I think, you know, when he adopted that Black Mamba persona, you know, obviously some of that came out of what happened in Colorado Mm -hmm. and him feeling like he needed to like have that split between his off-court persona and on-court persona. Mm-hmm. But I think in the 90s, he was still so wanting to be accepted mm. and not a matter of like, this is who I am, you're going to accept me, being like, what do I do to be accepted? Yeah. And I think when the, when the Kobe 2 got ridiculed, which it did fairly early on, looking like a toaster and whatever else. Kobe too, yeah, 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 yeah. He abandoned that shoe. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of the beginning of the end of the relationship with him and Adidas. And I kind of wonder, and I didn't ask him about this, and I wish I did, but, you know, I wonder, had he worn it anyway? Had he just said, the hell with what anyone else thinks, and worn it through that finals run, whether the reception of that shoe would have changed? Mm. And I think it might have. I think it might have. Do you have any rare, I know you have a lot of very rare sneakers in, in the stash, you know, stuff you were getting from samples. Deion Sanders, Jordan 11 cleats. <laughs> yeah, do you have I have any, a few things. Yeah. Do you have any really rare Kobe stuff that people haven't seen? <sighs> Not that people haven't seen, I don't think. I've had things over the years. I mean, I had a sample pair of Kobe ones that I think I got rid of because I, I really didn't love that shoe, the Nike Kobe one. Mm-hmm. And I seem to recall one of the first times I wore it, I tightened it up and the upper like little plastic lace thing snapped and it's like, well, okay. That's why it's a sample. <laughs> Quality control. <laughs> um, I do. I mean, one of the pairs I'll never get rid of is a pair of the charcoal or maybe black. I have to forget if they did both. Um, the Adidas Kobe one in his size signed to me. Wow. So like, I mean, that I'm going to hang on to obviously. Mm-hmm. One pair I had that I ended up giving to Ryan Jones at Slam was a pair of those American flag Kobe twos. Yeah. Crazy shoe. The ones that LeBron wore. And yes. the, the craziest part about that was they did, they obviously didn't come in a box because they were a sample, but they came in a, 
it was basically like an LV dust bag, okay. like a brown, you know, sort of satiny dust bag. But instead of a mo- any sort of monogram, it was the Kobe Afro logo mm, for Obi. repeating print. Mm-hmm. That I wish I kept. The shoes I could live without. Those were those were one of those shoes that were cool because there were so few of them. Speaking, yeah. speaking of other funny, uh, not funny, but like malign kind of Kobe sneakers, you were also at the nine launch i believe the super super high oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. super high i think you did like you got to interview uh kobe about that did like a video like during like the quick strike era yeah but what was your thoughts when you first saw that shoe oh i mean it was super strange it was super strange and it was such like uh it was such a swerve you Mm -hmm. know and it's like you know talking about the relationship between kobe and avar and like what they did with the low tops from the four all the way through like well, even through that, because they ended up doing a low-top version yeah, of the 10 9, and low, whatever else. Yeah. And I think it was just refined, refined, refined. So for them to do something so entirely different was just kind of like, what are you guys doing? For the listeners who don't know, that's when Kobe was coming off the huge Achilles tear. Right, like and they did the they did like the red stripes the sutures up the, on the back. back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I think like, I just feel like Kobe was always curious. You know, and he was always looking for whatever edge he could find and do things differently. And I think once you got through a few iterations of the low and a few years removed from the four and other athletes and other brands were starting to get into like low top basketball, it's like, how do we go in an entirely different direction? Mm -hmm. You know, and that shoe... I mean, that shoe's still crazy. I mean, I have a pair of those tucked away somewhere. Yeah, and it's funny, though, on sneaker shopping, a lot of the young kids, it stands out to them. Even, like, very young kind of artists, I guess because it was such, like, a pivot, and it's one of those shoes where you look at them and it, you immediately recognize it. And it's just from that era. I think we've talked about it on here, but when Nike basketball was so hot and every mm. every new KD shoe or every new LeBron shoe or Kobe shoe was so big, just a few years removed from the Galaxy stuff in 2012, like for young people who are like 20 to 25 right now, like I feel like Nike basketball probably means so much to them if they grew up into sneakers because yeah. they, they were so hot for so long. Yeah, a funny thing about that shoe, and I think is maybe a good transition into talking about other stuff, is I remember you wrote a story about it, Russ, when we had a debate in the office where we had already spoke about it on the podcast where Joe was like, can you make this shoe hot? How do you wear a shoe that's like up to your shin? And you, you know coming from wearing sneakers in the 80s, like the whole like David Robinson, super high top right, era, you're right. like, you fucking put your jeans yeah. on, you roll it up, and you wear the damn shoe. And that's what's great about him. He always, he, he <laughs> could wear any sneaker. Like, that's what, what was try. always so refreshing is that you would just wear any sneaker. You know, this guy has the Adidas thing. Yeah. You could say that I'm like into the hype. You're more kind of like Re- yeah, Reebok kind of, but Russ, classic. you used to wear any sneaker and like be excited about the most obscure sneaker versus like a Jordan 3 and Jordan 4, which I always really like admired about you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. that, And it's like I haven't worn that Kobe 9 in a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely plan on digging out some of my Kobe stuff to give it another ride, you know, and there's a few things in there that... I don't think I've ever worn, you know, like some of the elites maybe mm-hmm. um, are in there somewhere. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. an interesting time. I remember like to kind of exemplify it, you, um, I think when we first started working together, you went heavy on wearing all white Velcro Janowski SBs. <laughs> I love it. I like love every it. day, like didn't give a fuck. Just I like I'm going to wear Velcro sneakers every single day. I love those shoes. <laughs> and like, it's kind of funny, like, you know, I wrote something a while ago for GQ about trying to wear just Adidas campuses a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
I've been doing that, and it kind of became he has like campus is on right now. I do. Yes. It, it became a little bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like, man, I wrote this, so I better do it. But at the same time, it was like I just don't want to. I don't want to spend so much time figuring out like, all right, yeah, what am I going to wear, and like, what can I wear every day mm-hmm. that I just don't have to worry about it. The but. one shoe that you became an influencer on in a kind of ironic <laughs> sort of way was the Nike Monarch. You were very early on. Is that like, right? He wrote a story. It was like ten ways to wear the Nike Monarch. I didn't like before that. it became ironically cool. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like I feel like I pumped up the Monarch at one point, and then it became hot. And, and then it was you, just you like, were like, what look you, at this monster. Yeah. What are you people doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like a Roche Run thing. Yeah. Almost where yeah. it's like, oh, really? But. uh yeah. Russ, I want to talk about your own history going back. You know, you've been doing this for decades. Like we said, we're not going to out your exact age, although I have some. Y- you certainly can. Some, <laughs> you have some intel uh, on it. Some guesses. No, <laughs> I, um, you know, for, for people around my age, around Welty's age, when we first got into this industry, we looked up to Russ Bankson. That was the person. Appreciate it. You know, yes. and, and people younger these days, if they want to get into writing about sneakers or covering sneakers professionally, it's a job title and there's a whole scene about it. But. Russ, you were one of the first people to really do this, and we can't overstate your importance in that. I mean, Bobito was maybe a few years before you, but yeah. you know, as far as like a professional full-time journalist who cared about sneakers and who was writing about sneakers, that was you. But that didn't exist when you were a kid. So how did you take that thing you loved and somehow turn it into a job? Or you know, how much did you care at first to be able to translate it into working in sneakers? You know, I mean, it's funny, like, so the first thing I wrote about sneakers that ever got published was a column about, like, random 80 sneakers that I wrote for my college newspaper. Mm-hmm. So this would have been in, like, around similar time as Bobito, like, 90, 91, 92, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I'm sure I've told this story before, but out grocery shopping or wandering a grocery store in Delaware when I was in college mm-hmm. or right after college at like two in the morning and found a copy of the first issue of slam on the stands. Mm-hmm. And as I flipped through it, you know, it became, it's like, how do I write for this? Like these yeah. guys are speaking my language. Like it's basketball. They covered sneakers from the very beginning before okay. I even got involved. Part of me was like, I want to write for them. So I have an in to actually be able to get certain shoes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was actually a thought about that before I even realized that was remotely possible. Right. Cause this was around the time when the first round of Jordan retros were coming out. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, had I waited, I could have gotten them all for like 20 bucks a pair. But <laughs> And resold them for thousands of years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Instead, I spent like 80, and then, which was like all the money I had back then, and watched like the price drop and be like... <laughs> Bad investments. <laughs> and I didn't even buy more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I should have. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just bothered those people until they let me write for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony Dravino, who's still a close friend, like a title now, like he was the editor-in-chief, and I would just fax them. All the time. Faxes, kids. Yeah. Ask your parents. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, Growing up in Long Island, though. Another Long Island guy. You, you, you were paying Island. attention to sneakers, and I assume it wasn't a thing that everybody knew about. or It, it was kind of rare back then to really care about sneakers, right? Like, what were those moments? I mean, it, it's kind of funny. And, like, I tell Bobito this every time I talk to him. But, you know, where'd you get those starts way early? And he sort of declares, like, 1986, like, uh, when the Jordan 1 came out, like, or 85, 86, is like the demarcation line. Like, yeah. that's when it ended for him. This is Bobito's book, a seminal piece of, of sneaker writing. Where'd you get those? Yeah. 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 And uh, for a while, I was like, wait a minute. Like, that was the beginning for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like growing up in the suburbs, sneakers were so different. You know, for Bobito being in the city and being a little bit older than I am. Sorry, mm-hmm. Bob. I won't tell your exact age either. You know, they were like searching for stuff at Jerry Cosby and Jew Man and, you know, all these other stores. And for me, like the beginning was more like seeing stuff at athlete's foot okay. 
or seeing stuff at the mall. You what know, was, what was like, that stuff? This would have been like, I mean, well, the Jordan 1 mm -hmm. was a big thing for me. I remember seeing the Jordan 1 when it first came out and like really wanting those. And a story that I'm sure many people my age can share. Parents were like, $65 for a pair of shoes that you're going to grow out of and like and destroy in a year? No. No. Mm -hmm. So instead, I ended up, ironically enough, getting a pair of Nike Air ships out of Marshalls for like 35 bucks. Wow. So like, and now look, they're doing yeah, yeah. The, the airship. This retro, was in like right. 1985, and this was probably before I realized like the Jordan wore that shoe. Yeah. You know, like I just knew it was a Nike Air basketball shoe mm -hmm. that was in the price range that and was looks kind of like a Jordan one. Yeah, but but you know there there were other kids who were into it. You know, I think like into it in the sense of like they're going to wear new pairs of shoes all the time. Mm -hmm. And I won't name names, even though the statute of limitations I'm sure is up. But there was a kid in my homeroom who worked at Athlete's Foot and was running stuff out the back. You know, whenever they took the garbage out, he would take boxes of that's shoes what and stash they, them. That's what the they used to do. Finish them. line, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where are all these shoes going? And that was the move. The, oh, the, I'll take the, the garbage literal, out. The literal like, back door. Yeah, wait, why, why wait, you, you, you were stealing sneakers? Not about me, but I've never stolen a pair. But there was a lot of kids who were very excited to take the garbage out. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and that was the move. Lot they, lot of funny exactly. The people would come to, like, the, there was, like, two dumpsters near the mall outside. It seemed like it was an easy way to steal things. Oh, I'm sure. And back then, I mean, come on. You were also big Jordan 2 guy there's not a lot of people that they kind of note the Jordan 2 is like the uh, Rich, Rich A loves the our CEO Rich A loves the Jordan 2 it's one of those things it's like half personal and half like yeah. aesthetic you know it's like the Jordan 2 was the first Jordan I ever got that I bought with my own money and like I bought it when the threes came out it went on sale and like I don't know. I feel like that's a weird myth that builds up where it's like Jordans never used to go on sale. And it's like, well, they actually always did. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was a brief period when they didn't. But, um, you know, I got a pair of twos for like 70 bucks. You didn't have to steal those out of Athlete's Foot. I did not. I yeah. never worked at Athlete's Foot. I probably should have. But, were but you, I, I want to go back to that storyline real quick. Like the, the guy who was floating pairs out the back door. Were you, were you on that? No, 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 no. I was way too like... No, but did you, you didn't you didn't buy them from him or anything? No, like? no, no, no. Oh, okay. I don't think he was even. I don't. Th I don't even know if he was selling stuff. And again, like I don't want to. I don't mean to impugn a uh, yeah. a former classmate, but <laughs> you know, there was definitely like a okay. This kid's wearing like a new pair of shoes every single day. Yeah, and it's all the stuff from like the top of the wall. You know, it was like this is like Air Force Two era. Yeah. Um, but it's like you know that whatever. I grew up in a suburbs where it's like you had like the upper middle class, and it's like. I still remember names of kids who wore like the hot stuff, Yeah, you know, like from high school, from 30 years ago. And it's like, I've since made up for that shoe wise, but it's like, I still remember like who those kids <laughs> yeah, were. Yeah, I think you eclipsed them. How many, how many pairs, about eclipse, but how many pairs do you have in a storage unit in Long Island? You know, again, I always say between 500 and a thousand, I'm sure it's closer to a thousand, yeah. but I mean, I've probably gotten rid of more pairs over the years than I have. Yeah. But uh, but you also kind of realize too, and I mean, all of us working in media, where sometimes you just kind of really have to give things away before they even accumulate. Because you can say, "Oh, I have a million pairs of shoes," but then when you sometimes when you're going through it, you're like, "Oh fuck!" It's like Reebok ventilators and like Under Armour running shoes, and you, like it adds up. And you're like, "I need to get rid of all well, this stuff." Well, and, and I mean, for me, and you guys will get there someday. But you know, it's like my reasoning for putting stuff away a lot was like, "Oh, you know, I want to wear this someday." And it's like, there, there was a moment, I won't give exact age, maybe I will later, yeah. but you know, like once I hit my forties and like maybe f over 45, it's like, so 
that day I'm saving it for, like, that's it's never now. Wait. No, it's either now or it's not coming at all. Because it's like, when I was in my 20s, I could justify saying, like, 20 I'm gonna years from now, maybe I'm, I'm going to break these. next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's like, 20 years from now, I'm going to be back in the Velcro Janoski. Like, I, I think I remember um, you saying, you know, when you were still at Complex, you had broken out a pair of, I want to say it was the Prada America's Cup to wear to the office. You had them on dead stock or on ice or whatever from the early uh, 2000s, and you said you would hit up Clark that morning because the sole fell off the shoes like yeah. on the train. Yeah, no, I, like it was a pair. It was a black pair of America Cups. I wore them a couple times back in the early 2000s a and couple? just had them stashed. The, I don't, not that many. That shoe, that, that was a, shoe was like you made it shoe. The though. uppers I, were perfect. I, I never owned a pair, but I remember like if you had that shoe, it's like you are doing very well. No, I mean. Because I bought those when I was at Slam, when I was editor of Slam in the early 2000s, and shout out to Dennis Page, the publisher of Slam. I remember him wearing a pair of Prada Sports, like with the red stripe up the back, and the little like metal like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't even know what you call that, but fastener on top. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I remember going to like, I don't know if anyone remembers this spot, but Otto Tootsie Plowhound was a shoe store on broadway or near the slam offices and i bought like my first pair of pradas there and ended up buying a couple pairs i forget how many pairs of america cups i have mm -hmm. but it was too many but yeah so this pair i broke out like 20 years later they got vibram bottoms you think like these should survive forever yeah. and i was coming like up an escalator and i'm like these feel strange <laughs> and like literally the entire midsole just turned oh, to dust man. of one shoe postscript is i brought them to the prada store on broadway and it was going to cost like 200 bucks or something yeah. to get them resold. And at first I was like, yeah, go ahead, go mm -hmm. ahead. And, it, and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I went back and I was like, you know what? Just, just get rid of them. Like, forget it. Uh, you, you talk about tucking sneakers away for years, for decades, but you're also not afraid to just like actually wear stuff. And I know that's like a big thing for you. Wear your shoes. I think one of the shoes we all associate so closely with Russ. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Is the black supreme Absolutely. dunk low that you dog that you beat to hell yeah put put many thousands of miles on tell me about first getting those supreme dunks from the supreme store how hard it was how different supreme was back then <laughs> nike so, sb dunk low black with the cement print 2001 
Yeah, so there's definitely pictures online of his pair that are beat. To, oh, they're, to they're so bad, and like they're they're still in storage somewhere. Like I'm not sure exactly where. Like there's I can't like wear them anymore. Nesting in them. I don't. Even you know had them in the office for a while, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different laces in them now. Yeah. Big you, rips I think you up called the back. Like your rain shoes at one point or I mean, something like that. I remember, like I played wiffle ball in those in like a ba- muddy backyard. Like Love I wore those to Max Fish like every night for a long time. Like if those sneakers could talk, they wouldn't want to talk. <laughs> um, but. You know, back then, the way Supreme released a shoe was they would trickle them out. Mm -hmm. They would sell, like, I don't know how many, but, like, say, a dozen or two dozen pairs a day. And you would have to go to the counter and ask if they had it and ask if they had your size. And if they said no, you come back the next day. And I had gotten to know some of those guys through, Mm -hmm. like, not only going to Supreme, but going to Max Fish. Like, so I would see guys there. So, like, I had a little bit of a relationship. And I don't know. It probably took me a week to end up with a pair and this would have been like early early nike talk days too which is probably the only way i knew like they were happening right um and i still remember you know i left slam one day around lunchtime to take the train downtown got a pair brought them back to the office and put them on that day because like and that was after getting denied how many times five or six mm-hmm. like, yeah. not a ton this is like some ton. real like soup nazi shit but like, but, but it was did you, you know, feel dissed when they told no, you no? No, 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 no. Because, I, I mean, I kind of knew the guys already. Yeah. So, like, I figure, like, you know, I wasn't so in with them that they would, like, just lace me no matter what. Right. But I wasn't so out that, like, I didn't think they were telling me they were out of my size when they weren't to okay. save them for someone else. Okay. Got it. Um, I still don't understand why I didn't go back again to try and get the white pair, mm. other than I just wasn't buying stuff like that back mm. then. But it was one of those things, you know, like, the, my whole reason for getting that shoe, and it's hard to... You know, when you look at things now and cement print's been used on so many mm-hmm. different things. Yeah. You know, back then it wasn't used on anything. Yeah. You know, it was the Jordan 3 and it was that. And I mean, obviously, like weird iterations of the Trainer 1 and some other things. Mm-hmm. But like, as someone who was already into dunks and had bought like a bunch of the college ones and they came back in like 98 and 99. Mm-hmm. Be true um, to your school stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted those Supremes and like, I was looking at those before I even got them as like, this is what I'm going to wear every day. Mm. And I mean, I wore those every day. <laughs> you know, those immediately went into the rotation and did not come off. Those were the ones that sat by the door that I would just throw on every time I went out. And, uh, you know, I still, I did save the box. I have the receipt. Like, that's all back in storage. Like, I'm kind of curious. I need to dig it out one day because mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, like, what the exact date I bought those was. Okay. Um, but. You know, it was, but it still was a case where it's like, it took a couple days, but you could still walk in and buy them. Yeah. You know, now when they sell Nike stuff, they don't even put it on the shelf anymore. It all goes online. And like, what, the phone posit was one of the first ones, I think, where it was just like, we can't do this because there's going to be riots. You're you're someone I think has like a unique um, perspective on Nike SB. We were actually looking at it the other day content on the website talking about old nike sb dunks and i think story you had done was like the hundred greatest nike sbs of <laughs> one all of those time. Let me, hold on yeah. hold on let me let me interrupt wealthy was upset yeah he, he was very upset I thought the list I, I look back at it but in perspective it makes sense but the list was fucking awful looking back at it you had like oh. <laughs> the original like reese forbes like hunter dunks and russ, like, russ wrote the list or it, probably it was, I was you, probably you, at least you, one of them you and nick engvall yeah, put yeah, it together yeah. and that it would was, make sense and it was at like 88 on the list out of the 100 best then you had a pair of like lime green janoskis at like 47 and i'm like looking back at this I'm like this makes no fucking sense as far i as mean the, 
But I mentioned you're the sort of guy I know from knowing you where you have certain like you might have a vendetta against a certain shoe, and you'll be like, "Well, fuck that shoe!" Like you didn't put the Dooms on there on purpose because you like MF Doom and you thought that shoe sucked. I don't know if I thought the shoe sucked, but like that whole side of things was always weird to me. What side? Just like the artist shoe, where it's like, and especially someone like Doom, where it's like, okay, how much did he really have to do with this? You know, a guy who mm -hmm. sends imposters out to his own concerts, like, is he really worried about like an actual? You think he dunk? sent an imposter to Beaverton to help design the shoe? <laughs> Entirely possible. But it's funny and like, you know, brief name drop. But like, I did the all the text for the Nike SB book they did with Rizzoli, mm -hmm. and one of the guys I got to talk to about it was Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Junior, mm -hmm. okay. and I didn't like that shoe. Like the silver, the silver. One? Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I don't silver know if that's on, yeah. I don't know if that ended up on the list at all. I don't, like that I don't was just think a weird so. shoe. Two thousand and five, something like that. Thought a, something maybe like a that. little right. later, yeah. No, two thousand six, seven. That was yeah. he. He told me like the reason he did an all silver shoe is like is based on Ace Fraley's boots when he was in Kiss, and I'm just like, damn, that's a good story. Makes sense now. And like after I talked to him about it, like I started scoping like. Round two's Instagram, just in case a pair popped up. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, now I kind of want to get a pair of these. So yeah, I mean, a good story will help. I have nothing against Reese Forbes, yeah. and if I I haven't looked at that list in a long time, but I would bet the Forbes, the original tan suede one from yeah. the first round, that's probably on there and probably pretty high. Because I remember, I like, remember, I love that. There shoe. was one. I think it was at like 88. It was like the Slam City Dunks, which I think a lot of people I love those. view as kind of a good shoe. And then it was like certain things like the Krampus Nike SB Dunk High, which <laughs> I don't even remember, was at like 43. And I'm like, Russ, did you just like make like... Yeah. I'm gonna, By the way, sorry, I looked it up real quick. Wealthy is right. I am wrong. It was 2007. For it the was dinosaur. a little later. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to guess also, like, it depends on what year that list came out. There's probably a little bit of recency bias with half, some of the Half things. the images don't work. Yeah, I'm sure half the images yeah. don't work. 2013. Um, but. And also, like, the way I always looked at lists and even the way I look at lists now is, like, the ranking in the end, like, doesn't matter. You can argue about rankings forever. What? Like, to me, it doesn't it's like, matter. To me, it's just good to be able to write about different things. Isn't that the and whole point of the list is to rank it? I, I guess so. But, like, if you're, like... You could argue all day, like, what's the difference between, like, what's number 76 and what's number 77? Who cares? Mm, right. No, 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 no. It, it matters, Russ. No, 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 no. Here's why it matters, because this is why we looked up to people like you, because you taught us that it's important to be critical about these things, and it's important to consider how these things play against each other in a cultural space or why they're important to people. So I, I don't ever want to say it doesn't matter or it's just somebody's I opinion. Think like, like, that's like going like to a museum and, and you're mad that somebody's like writing about art and it's like, why would you ever be critical about that? Like, this is the same thing. We're here to be critical. We're here to determine what's good and what's not good. I agree with that to a because degree. Because of you. But because gonna, of you. But you're not going to rank Picasso's best paintings. But you might say that this one is more important or, or more valuable uh, from an artistic standpoint and more impactful than, than this you, other you one. You might, you might. But I think also it's like maybe there's tiers of things too. Yeah. Like, okay, this bunch is more important than this yes. and whatever. So we talked about slam and you getting kind of no pun intended, your foot in the door. But where, <laughs> where sorry, where do you think sneaker media from an editorial standpoint changed over? Was there like a moment when you're like, this is going to be as big as it is now? Again, like we said, you were like the forefather of this. And now with Complex and, and other publications, it's like, dedicated verticals did you right. have the foresight to see that or what i don't know about the foresight you know i think for us it was just being able to do to chase down things we wanted and things we always dreamed of you know it's like i think the first issue of kicks with kevin garnett on the cover you know i think that really sort of pushed things you know when was that 
that would have been was that 98 or 99 somewhere okay. somewhere in that time frame i think 98 mm -hmm. and like that was a nike single sponsor issue okay mm -hmm. so they gave us like what was to that point pretty much unprecedented access you mm -hmm. know and it's like i feel like things that i saw or things that bobito saw or things that some of the people who wrote about sneakers super early gary warnett recipe you know, piece um you could look at a shoe and like think like wow like who designed this or who came up with the ad for this or like why is this like this mm -hmm. but you had to be super obsessed already to think that mm -hmm. i think something like kicks which really like and man, I, part of me doesn't want to look at it now because all I'll see is like, oh, why didn't we do whatever, whatever. But like, you know, we talked to Wyden and Kennedy guys. We talked to Jim Riswold for that mm. issue. You know, we talked to Eric Avar. We talked to Aaron Cooper. I think for a lot of people then who maybe were only interested in like, oh, I want to see what the new Jordan is yes. and buy that issue, you know, maybe that opens you up to like, wait a minute, there's so much more than this. You know, so I think sort of every iteration whether it was a new magazine or certainly like when the internet blew up mm -hmm. brings in like this next layer of people who are maybe just marginally interested but a certain percentage of them see something like that and realize this is something they can do so i think with every sort of expansion it drew in exponentially more people mm -hmm. i don't know that probably completely doesn't answer the question does that ever, did that ever frustrate you though i know like working in sneaker media we kind of nerd out about stuff and you want to hear all these stories about you know designing like the structure triacs almost like random like random sneaker shit that you just kind of nerd out on like the story behind it but then you know you're also dealing with the reality that 98 percent of the people who are like you know, clicking on the stories or whatever, just want to know the new Air Jordan release date and don't really care much more beyond that. Does that, does that ever frustrate you to find a balance between those two things? I don't, no, I don't think it frustrates me. And I think like, you know, every person or every generation is going to have their sort of, you know, point that draws them in. And if that happens to be whatever the newest, hottest thing is, that's fine. There's room for that too, you know? And like, if that kid who just wants to see whatever the new thing is, discovers something older and wants to look into that, you know, I definitely want to be the person who provides that. Yeah. I would rather have them learn from me or learn from someone else who understands it than them not being able to find out anything and just giving up. Um, you know, one, one thing is funny, and I, I don't know, I feel like this is almost something like that hit me more like, once I was out of the day to day, mm -hmm. like once I was away from complex and kind of like less caught up in like, okay, what's today's thing? Mm -hmm. um, Virgil Abloh had a post on Instagram about streetwear and it kind of made me mad because he talked about like how, you know, when is enough sneakers or enough t-shirts or enough hoodies, like things need to go beyond that. And I think I used to kind of think like that with certain things, like how many more Jordan ones can there be? Or like mm -hmm. how many more dunks or whatever? Like, why are we still doing this? Mm -hmm. But being removed from it, I think is what made me realize like, no, 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 no. Like there's too many for you. And that's it with Virgil too. It's like, dude, you're in your forties. You've got, you've been doing this forever. Okay, fine. You're sick of t-shirts. You're sick of hoodies. Right. At the same time, there's some 14 year old kid who's been wearing whatever his mom bought him, who just got his first cool hoodie ever, mm -hmm. yeah. his first cool t-shirt ever, his first pair of sneakers with his own money. Are you going to tell that kid like, you know what? Nah, this stuff is over. And that's what I always say recently when I talk about the legs that this has on it. The kids nowadays, I always 
tell the story about like being home for Christmas a year and a half ago or whatever and kids glued to their phone and I was like oh they must be playing a game or something and they're literally looking at price comparisons on the secondary market and to your point it's the kids now who are fueling this so so crazy and when we were coming up it seemed like it was kind of like just us and now it's like it's almost like comics for kids yeah no and and i think for you know for every one of us who gets jaded about things maybe from a personal level it's like you just have to remember like for every one of us there's a kid who never got into this stuff before who's just finding out about it Mm -hmm. and like they're going to be psyched yeah so to like kind of be jaded to them is like man don't don't ruin it but it's (laughs) it's funny to hear your perspective now because i remember you know when you used to do uh quick strike for those know you and clark kent very early on had your own sneaker talk show which i do think kind of like paved the way for us to do for for the record i wish if if those original files still exist like there needs to be some director's cuts or some like uncut i love that we would do like 40 minute interviews with dudes and it would get cut to a three minute segment because the whole show had to be nine minutes long (laughs) so someone released the tapes yeah but i remember back then working on it in the later era of the show i think season three it was season one season two and season three and then i remember you were going through the releases. Do we like the shoe? Do we don't? And you're like, there's so many fucking shoes coming out that no one can possibly buy all these. Nike needs to stop making as much sneakers. Kids can't buy all the shoes. But now, full circle, you step aside from it. You're happy about it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think those two things can coexist. I do think there's too much still. You know, if you walk into a store now and look on the wall, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's a retailer, not like a reseller. Like, every era coexisting, you know, and like, a must cop drop every week you know i'm not going to name names but like there's at least one blog that does like the the 24 must have shoes dropping this weekend <laughs> and it's like what like what's retail for that like here's your you forty eight hundred dollars worth of shoes i don't remember who it is it's someone <laughs> that starts with an h i starts think, with but, the h has an s in there somewhere <laughs> but uh you know it's like i don't know just this idea of like the the quote-unquote must have things and there being so many of them like I don't know. I think it's easy to get completely overwhelmed by that. Like, I feel like at this point, I'm kind of immune to it. I don't even remember, like, the last pair I went out and bought. Yeah, like, how much have you slowed down over the years? Do you still buy sneakers oh, on a, a ton, regular basis? a ton, a ton. What are, some of like, the recent, what are some of the recent pickups? I did buy a pair of the Undercover, um, what was that, the Daybreak? Daybreaks? Okay. Yeah, I bought the Blue Daybreaks. I really like those. Same. Other than that, honestly, not much. Like... You know, it's realizing, like, if I feel the need to go shopping, like, just go shop in my own stash. Like, there's mm-hmm. stuff that I haven't gotten to yet that, again, like, if I don't get to now, like, are they're either going to fall apart or I am. So, <laughs> it's you, a race. Are you still a legendary Essence uh, sale shopper? You know what? I, I won't, at can, some can point... Can you explain this joke, Welty? Because this is very esoteric. Oh, uh, I remember, like, in the complex office, like, every morning you'd be, like, browsing Essence. And you'd be like, hey, look what I found. Look what when, I found. when the sale happened, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I'm pretty sure I got other people to buy stuff off that by sending them. You should have been them. doing affiliate links. Um, true, true. No, I think at some point after like two years of that sale, I realized like everything I had bought from it, no matter how cheap it was, I either had ended up bringing to a consignment shop or not worn yet. And it's like, <laughs> all right, maybe stop this. So I think this year it just ended not too long ago and I did not buy anything. What was your sneaker of last year if you had to put a, a top one on it for I you? have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I'm not really, I didn't like the Sakai's very much. And that's not even off some like sour grapes. Just because I like the original shoe. And like, I didn't like the, 
diving board off the back mm-hmm. like that didn't really that, vibe for me. Your, your boy to your right didn't like it either. I mean, okay. oh, specifically yeah. the heel yeah. you always. Yeah. And that's for me being old anyway, because like I still have pairs from when they initially retroed a bunch of that super the early LDB. Nike running stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have like three pairs of pre-Montreals. And yeah, I like, remember you being big on that shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every different color of that. How do you feel about the celebrity influence in sneaker culture today? feels like it's at an all-time high we were talking about you know the supreme dunk sbs and sbs coming back in a way that's funneled through kind of celebrities buying them how do you feel about it being peak celebrity influence right now i mean it's funny you know it's like i think it's something that's always been there Mm -hmm. you know whether it's like farrah fawcett wearing cortez you know it's like there's always been that aspect of it i think now just the volume of how much stuff is constantly available through resale like there's this huge mass of things that can be brought back at any time and like for someone like travis Mm -hmm. to be able to go back and you know whether it's him or a stylist or someone to dig things out that maybe other people don't know about so much i don't know if it's getting cool things back into the mainstream and back to the attention like i don't even care how they get there Mm -hmm. like that stuff's cool what do you think then about like in the nba now where you see a lot of the players just digging out you know whatever trying to play like in older older sneakers instead of flexing a new like PE sneaker or something like that I mean in one sense I think it's cool and shout out to PJ Tucker who remains the king of it and mm-hmm. like whatever no one's coming for him right now like no one's doing what he's doing I mean the, o- the only thing that bugs me about it is you watch a game on a random Tuesday night and guys are wearing crazier stuff than they would have in the all-star game in the 2000s and it's like to me like all-star was always that big sneaker moment where it's like Guys are going to break out the crazy stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Pippen wearing the Red Maestros in 94 or Weber wearing the the mirrored Dada's or w- whatever else it was. Like, that was always the one you had to tune into. And now it's like, where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the all-star stuff is probably going to be sort of tame compared to the stuff you see, like, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially now that the there's less rules around what you can wear like on no a regular rules. basis. I mean, yeah. guys are wearing stuff where it's like, really? Like, you put that on this morning? Yeah. You used to um, have to do team colors, and now you can just do whatever. You know, and there's still, I think there's still moments that stand out. Like, for me, like, LeBron coming out in the Kobe 1 for that yeah. game the other night, like, yeah. You know, that, that, the 81 points that pair was a lot for, yeah, for that yeah, Lakers yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And of course, one of my first thoughts was like, oh my God, LeBron, please don't like roll an ankle. <sighs> like, don't get hurt. It's cool seeing guys being able to take stuff out. And like, I want to see where that signature shoe model goes. Like, that's something that I've been curious about now, where it's like, before it was like such a status symbol where it's like, I have my own shoe mm-hmm. and like, I can do whatever. And now I feel like it's almost a constraint where it's like, I have to wear my own shoe. And someone like PJ Tucker can go and dig in the crates and pull out some random Kobe from five years ago. And like to me, that's more interesting than LeBron wearing whatever the latest, latest. 17 LeBron is. LeBron 23 or 20. Right, yeah. or, or Kyrie or, or whoever. <laughs> you said it a couple years ago that you're more interested about what a player wears to the game than in the game. Still feel that way? Yeah, and I think everything's caught up with that now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I forget how when I said that, but like, you know, now it's like, you see all the shots of these guys in IG and like yeah. obviously PJ wearing one pair and carrying another pair. Like, mm-hmm. cause that to me, like, and that goes back to the signature guys where it's like, well, I know what LeBron's gonna wear on the court. He's mm-hmm. gonna wear whatever his latest signature is. What's he gonna wear to the game? Cause that's something like that probably is more, you know, I don't know, 
more of a signifier of his taste or of his of what he likes. What was the last sneaker project that you were really excited about or campaign that you were like, they nailed this? Has there been any recently? That's a good question. I mean, wow. On the spot. <laughs> I'm not sure what the last one was. If it hits me, I'll let you okay. know. But like, somehow I don't... F- maybe maybe, the, I'm sh- wrong. maybe like, the shoes you did with Adidas. What, the... Quickstrike? Quickstrike. The Quickstrike quick, quick yeah. quick ones are good. Well, the, the I did a one with Iverson too that was just oh, like yeah. a friends yeah. and family yeah, sort of, of thing that like... I didn't get a pair. Know, that was... <laughs> I did a bad job with my... Like, I never followed up much. And no, no Reebok deal either. So. Apparently we're not friends. D- um, Dior Jordan 1s. We need to talk about it. <laughs> what do you think? I understand why it happened. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly care about it. Like, it's not something I'm into. Like, I didn't understand. Like, if you're also, if you're going to do a high fashion Jordan 1 and a high fashion brand partnership, why not LV? You've already got a relationship with Virgil. Like, I don't understand where the Dior thing comes from. It's Kim Jones. And and then for them just to do, like, basically an authorized Canal Street version of a Jordan 1 with the Dior fabric on the swooshes, like, that's it. And, like, to me, you take the Dior logo off. The colorway doesn't even do anything for me. Like, and again, like, whatever, I'm 40 whatever years (laughs) old. That's not a shoe that's aimed at me. But it's like... I don't know. That's just a shoe that people are going to wear because they can get it. How, how about the New Beginnings pack, the Airship and the Air Jordan 1? Something that has a legacy story like that, especially one that you are close to. Yeah, I mean, that stuff to me is really cool. When, when they really dig into the history and like bring it out like that and like to do the ship as like a mid-cut, which is what he wore with like a lower sole. I mean, the regular Airship was like a Frankenstein boot. It was like mad high. You know, if a small percentage of the people who either get that pack or see that pack, like, delve deeper into that Jordan rookie history, like, it did its job. Like, that's it, awesome. Is there any particular sneaker you're still waiting for a retro for? I mean, you were around when all these shoes came out originally, so I assume there's some stuff that you wish you could actually get your hands on that hasn't been made in I think, decades. I think early on, there was a period where I was psyched to see certain things come back. Uh-huh. And I think I've seen so much come back now and get bastardized and get have things done wrong or come back with not great materials or then get like portions don't look right or or get churned out in all these like different colorways. Like I kind of, anything that hasn't come back yet, I kind of don't want to see come back. Like, I mean, I've talked about it before and I know I've written about it before, but like, you know, the air flight 89 high was a huge shoe for me. Like I I had those in high school. That was like the first like hundred dollar shoe I had really. Mm. And like, there was a period when like, I really wanted to see those come back and I've kind of flipped over. And now like, I really hope they never come back. Like, I've got too many good memories in that shoe to see, like, eight SKUs of it released in, like, yeah. plastic leather and, like, you know, a camo version and, like, just just leave it alone. Being such an honest guy about shoes and you know that, like, in the industry that we worked in for the longest time, you couldn't really even be critical of sneakers because you have to work with the brands as well. So if you're like, fuck you, this shoe sucks, then you probably sometimes you may get an angry, you know, email from someone. Were you ever worried about, like, kind of towing that line? Not... Not particularly. You know, I think like there's a difference between just saying something sucks and telling people why maybe you don't like it. And, and I you feel don't have like, to say fuck you. Okay. He I does. mean, you he, can. He does. But, um, but I feel I've always yeah. felt like if you're constructive about it and if they know who you are, like you can sort of talk about that stuff. If, you, if you're coming at it from like a, a reasonable space, like I think it's okay. I do seem to recall writing a few things that 
might not have <laughs> stayed active online um, because of concerns. But yeah. I feel like those concerns always took place at a higher level than me. Like I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever like temper my own feelings or my own voice because I was worried about like what the reaction would be. One thing I was thinking about last night, I knew you were coming in, is it's kind of a random question, but I'm wondering if there's one that sticks out to you, the best press trip you've ever been on. Because I know we've been on some together, and there's like definitely, I think the Jordan 23 was awesome. Like, yeah. And yeah. the Miami trip for the Wade, the Fly Wade. It's yeah. actually a perfect question, right? Right after not pissing off sneaker brands, you go into yeah, but, sneaker but, brands. But do you, does, one, does, one stick out, does one stick out throughout the years? I mean,. The Jordan 23 was probably like the biggest thing. I mean, yeah. playing on the floor at and the annou- at, they uh, announced our United names. Center. I remember like I played, I was guarding Bobito in that game. You know, it's like I didn't get to go to the one. I'm still kind of jealous of that one that went to Jordan's house. I forget what shoe that oh, was. I, I didn't go to that. Um, yeah. They did one where you like played on the floor at Jordan's house. That would have been insane. I probably would have like collapsed. The 32 was really big too it? in Italy. I mean, they flew yeah. us to Italy for it. It's like, okay, this is insane. Um, the 23 is when we went to the steakhouse and he showed up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somewhere, and they're like not... He, he means Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like they're not for... I think they're not for publication. I forget what the whole thing was, but I have like a couple photos of me and Lang Whitaker from Slam talking to Jordan. And it's primarily Lang talking to Jordan and I'm just kind of standing there looking like an idiot. But um, yeah, I mean, and didn't we go to like... Because the steakhouse was right near... Where he worked out, maybe, or something? Think so, yeah. It was like 163 Blue was the name of the place. It yeah. was a weird... Yeah. He was like ownership. That was yeah. your favorite press trip you've been on as well? I think so. Uh, just to have the Bulls announcer announce your name and like run out on the court was so <laughs> crazy it, it to was, me. It was super crazy. What was the stat was line so looking crazy. like? Oh, was, yeah. uh, stat line, three turnovers, <laughs> two, two assists, uh, four points in 12 minutes. No, I was going to say, what was, what was your favorite uh, press trip that you had been on? Sorry. Brendan. Um, I was in Monza in Italy for the original breaking two attempt with Nike. It was a special moment. You know, I love that whole line of shoes, all the Zoomfly family. So you ran a 202, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) There was one point in the weekend because those press trips, they have you running a lot and very active. And I think I had ran more miles than I had slept hours. Wealthy, I got it. I know this. No, I mean, no, I think, no, I just wanted us what? all to say it. I what thought, about you? No, I think when I got to design my own uh, 101 New Balance I knew, shoe in the UK. I knew it was going to be kicking back bruised with the lads. And the, it was definitely going to be either New Balance or Adidas. Or, or, or the time that Brendan, oh. Brendan Dunn yeah. could have killed Travis Scott at, uh, in Houston. The, 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 yeah. the <laughs> Talking about press trips, one that was really special to me and, and now even more special. We went to Kobe's last game, like five of us, me, Mark Anthony Green from GQ and Lance Fresh, Nike flew us out and we took a helicopter to the last game. And just thinking about that, sometimes we're in these moments where, not that we take it for granted, but we don't realize how special these things that we all get to do are. And just thinking back to witnessing that game last week was just just crazy. A lot of that, it's funny, like how some of that stuff worked out with games where it's mm-hmm. like, who knows that he's going to score 60 in his last right. game. Or like, I don't remember if this was the the flyway trip you were on, but was that the same one where we went to the game with them when they played the Cavs? I don't, I wasn't on that one. Th- there was a flyway trip where they played the Cavs and you're there for Wade, you're there with Jordan, you're in a box. And that was the game when LeBron came and dunked on one end, and then Dwayne Wade comes down the other way and ends Anderson Varejao's like <laughs> entire life. And it was like one of the most ridiculous dunks I've ever seen in person. And it's like, 
wait a minute, we're here for this guy. Like, how yeah. is that not scripted? <laughs> well, we can't thank you enough for coming in. We, we all work together and we could have kind of recorded this quote unquote emergency podcast, but we wanted to wait to have someone like you who could do the Kobe Bryant legacy justice discuss it with us and you are definitely kind of like the north star of sneaker editorial for us and it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you and appreciate those that. seven years we work together something that i'll always cherish everyone learns so much from you and uh again i think everyone's going to enjoy this and thank you so much for coming in oh yeah absolutely and it's funny like people reached out after kobe died to write things and like i just I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I still haven't written anything yet. Yeah. And like, I kind of want to at some point because I feel like I should. But at the same time, it was just all too close. So like, got it. Just being able to talk about it is good. Yeah, Russ, we're, we're so happy to have you in here. I mean, I think after Kobe's death, everyone has been so much focused on telling the people in their life that they are important to them. And Russ is so important to us. Mm-hmm. We love you, Russ. And we're so happy that like, you know, it, it's crazy. Like I had this moment after even the Clark episode of like, you know, when I told that story about 10 years ago, trying to buy a pair of Air Max ones and thinking, oh, Clark Kent got them all. And now I'm sitting in a room with <laughs> yeah, Clark it's amazing, Kent. Man. And, and I feel the same way about Russ. Like I'm sitting in a room with Russ Banks and that's still a crazy thing to me. And a thing I'm so thankful for because you really gave us people who work in sneaker media, a lineage, uh, you know, a, a real clear path of like Russ Bobito here, Gary Warnett here. And we're, we're happy to just do our best to try and follow in that tradition. Yeah, it feels surreal. I would put Gary ahead of both of us, but... Rest in peace, Rest to in peace yeah. to Gary. And again, thank you so much. And we cannot wait for the book. And we can't wait for your next complex piece. I know my go-to like retweet of Russ Bankston's <laughs> articles whenever they hit complex is we'll, the, the best writer on the subject of sneakers. And we'll that's something. how we really feel. We'll R- Russ Bankston. Can you say <laughs> it? Because somebody, somebody actually Russ got Bankston. mad at me Bankston. Bankston. I don't know. Somebody got mad at me. Try to like, spell it, though, and don't, <laughs> how many, and how don't many fuck it up. have you been on a press trip and the brand has spelt your name wrong Yo, on some could, sort of like... You have jerseys with your name. I could have a literal collection of things that are spelled wrong but do, do you want to put it on the record how to spell it it's t before s that's there all you go. It's and also it's n- not the oldest guest that we've had so far right that'd be clark oh probably clark, not. i don't know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, part that part's getting cut up <laughs> we're, uh, we're not we, we ended so we ended so good but uh <laughs> thanks again and this is the complex sneakers podcast available everywhere you consume podcast friday 6 a.m we'll see you guys next week Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Sound engineering done by Craig Clayton and Jasmine Plata. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 